Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. My name is Tom Johnson. I'm the host of the show. Tech Writer Voices is a podcast specifically aimed at technical writers, trying to share with you the latest tips, techniques, other information that's relevant to technical writing. We're on the web at www.techwritervoices.com. If this is the first time you're listening, be sure to subscribe so that you get notified of upcoming podcasts. Today, I'm talking with Catherine Brown, or Kit Brown, Brenda Hutner, and Char James Tanney on their book, Managing Virtual Teams, Getting the Most from Wikis, Blogs, and Other Collaborative Tools, which is a new book they just published. Now, in this podcast, I'm actually using a new conference call recording service that I'm testing out. And it was somewhat of, of a virtual experience to record this call, too, because Brenda is in Arizona, Shar is in Massachusetts, Kit is in Idaho, I'm in Florida. And, of course, when you're talking in a conference, you can't see when somebody's going to raise their hand and say, oh, I'll, I'll make a comment or like this. So it was interesting and, and somewhat challenging at times, but but uh, still a very cool service and fun to do a conference call recording like this. If you have any feedback, just send it to tom at techwritervoices.com. And if you have ideas for future shows, definitely let me know. All right, let's go to the podcast. Welcome to Tech Writer Voices. I'm talking today with Shar James Tanney, Catherine or Kit Brown, and Brenda Hutner, authors of Managing Virtual Teams, Getting the Most from Wikis, Blogs, and Other Collaborative Tools, which was just published um, this year. To start, I would like you guys to just give me a definition of a virtual team. What, what, kind, of, what kind of thing are we talking about here? Well, the, this is Kit. The... Our definition of a virtual team would be um, groups of people who are working uh, remotely from each other. They could be in different buildings. They could be in different states, countries, you know, anywhere that they're not um, be able to sit down at a table together and talk to each other in person. That would be a virtual team. Okay. And what are some challenges that, that virtual teams have I mean, obviously, people aren't near each other, so that poses a challenge. But, you know, could you just elaborate on some details that are the main obstacles that virtual teams run into? I, this is Brenda. I would say one of them is the lack of visual cues when people talk. You can't tell their facial expression or hand movements or whatever that would clarify the intent of what they're trying to say. If you're just reading their email, there's a greater possibility for misunderstanding, and we need to be aware of that going into a virtual team so that we take what steps we can to prevent it from hurting the team. Definitely, definitely. So, like, for example, right now we're having a virtual experience and that I can't see which one of you is, you know, going to raise your hand to answer or anything like that. It's, uh, so that's one challenge, but... How about a meeting? How do you hold a virtual meeting? Well, there are a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can, this is Kit, you can hold a hold a meeting um, like we're doing via conference call. Um, you can use a webcam, and Char is more of the tools expert than I am, but um, you can use a webcam or a video conference uh, center to, to hold a, a video meeting. You can also hold meetings by using web chat, um, you know, instant messaging. Um, you can also hold meetings by um, 
using WebEx or one of the other uh, webinar type type uh, applications, and you know the, which one you need to use depends on what the purpose of the meeting is, whether it's uh, a discussion, consensus building type meeting, or whether it's more of one-way dissemination of information or or what have you. Shar, do you want to add something to the tools piece of that? No, I think you covered most of the um, the high points on it. it. It just comes down to what you actually need to do. Like in this case, Tom, you're holding, you're going to put this up on your website as a webcast, as a podcast. Hmm. So we're, we've called into a place that can be recorded. If you wanted to do, um, I'm trying to give another way to word this, it wouldn't have been recorded, but we we held, have held a lot of meetings over something like Skype, where sometimes we type and sometimes we talk. And sometimes we do both. So it really just sort of depends on what's going on. So, you know, you wrote this book, Collaborating Virtually, right? Because you, you each are located in different states, right? That's not why we wrote the book. It just was <laughs> it was a benefit, I guess, but it wasn't the reason why we wrote the book. I, I mean, as you were writing the book, you wrote it virtually. Yes, we did. I mean, so Kit, you're based in Idaho, Charles in Boston, and then uh, Brenda, I forgot where you're in. New Jersey? Arizona. No. Arizona, okay. Arizona. We covered three times. Tucson, Arizona. So, and you use Skype a lot as you're, as you're um, met, discussing various uh, parts of the authoring, right? Skype, email, and our wiki that we put up specifically to help our project along. And Instagram. Do you want to talk more about the wiki? Tell us what kind of tool, what kind of wiki, and what did you use it exactly for? The wiki is created. We used um, TikiWiki for the wiki because it was one I was familiar with and I'd already installed. And then you just started taking chapters, and somebody would write them, and others would rewrite them and edit. Or how did that work? Well, we wanted to do it that way, but the publisher could only accept Word files. So rather than we started way before the chapter writing with the wiki when we talked about what should be included and what our resources were and the outline and the assigning assignments to each other. Um, yeah, that was all in the wiki. All really useful for the actual transfer of files. We used it, but not for the creation of the files. So we would write in Word and then upload to the wiki. Okay. And that was primarily because, as Char was about to say, the um, publisher uh, required us to provide the chapters in in Word format. So, um, you know, you could easily have we could have easily have written the chapters as wiki pages and then downloaded them to Word, but then that would have required more formatting and stuff. So, right, that's how Brenda and I wrote the article that went into Intercom in January on wikis. We actually did the whole article through the wiki, and then I pulled it down and put it into Word to send off. And well, what's the advantage of using a wiki like TikiWiki instead of Google Docs or something like that? Google Docs wasn't out when we started. No oh. one. Okay. <laughs> There's one reason why we couldn't use it. Um, Google Docs was announced. We'd been, I'd been doing my stuff for. You have to remember, there was a couple, um, almost two years of prep by the time we got done. And then um, we started the process, got a publisher, started working, started getting the wiki set up. And it was sometime in there that I heard about Google Docs, but it was in closed beta. It didn't open up until, I want to say, we were at least six weeks in. 
Yeah, we'd already. I, yeah, I think we'd already written about half the book by the time, by the mm-hmm. time Google Docs came out. But right, and we we, we played with it just to see, and it would have worked. If we were starting now, there are still some benefits of a wiki over Google Docs. Absolutely, we have much. Right, because the wiki itself gives us the Google Docs would have let us write the chapters, mm-hmm. but the wiki has given us places like we have. Um, there's all sorts of permissions set up on it, so if you go into the wiki, you can't see. I don't. I don't think we have the original outline available. It's like we can see it. We can go in and look at it. We can look at our notes and everything that we did at that point, but nobody else can. We've hidden that from public view. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can have meta meta content around the actual content, like these notes and discussion in the wiki environment, whereas with Google Docs, you really can't. You can just edit the material, right? No, and plus we have all sorts of other stuff up there. We, have, um, we had a place where we could upload other files, which you couldn't do. I don't know if you could do it with Google Docs or not. But we also had um, there's a blog up there that we can all uh, contribute to, and Google Docs wouldn't have given us that. Blogs are my favorite topic. <laughs> no, no. no um, did you use do you use blogs a lot uh, to either in the authoring or just in your daily work life? I use I blog I in a couple a of blog. places. Uh, I started well. a blog. <laughs> <laughs> Get started, yes. We got her started. I, I started one, but I haven't. The the thing is that you know, there's only so many hours in a day. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I was just wondering, like, if um, blogs could be used for an authoring purpose. Like, one person could write a post that's a chapter, and another comments on it, and you know, build in yeah. some kind of progressive way. Yeah, which pages I think are actually better for that than right. yeah. than than the blog because the blog, you know, allows for serial commentary. I guess it depends on what your purpose is. If you're if you're co authoring something, a wiki page is easier to co author in than a blog. Where the blog, you know, one person contributes something and then people can comment on it, but they really can't edit what the other person contributed. Whereas and the, yeah. and the person who originally wrote the person who wrote the original post can't go back and edit their own stuff, depending on how it's set up. And then once you do, if you do go back and edit it, because there are times, so there are, there, there's blog software where you can do that. The fact is, if I started a blog on a chapter, and then we got a whole bunch of comments, and so I went back and edited the original, now we have to figure out where do we pick up in the middle of the comments for the new stuff I've edited. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably not the best tool. The wiki sounds like it is. So let's apply wikis to to more like these project teams. Do you think we've gotten to the point where where software teams can have a virtual setup where people can all be remotely located and use all these Absolutely. tools and create an entire software manual? I've been sure. working I go oh sorry, go ahead, sure. <laughs> I just said absolutely. Yeah. I haven't I, worked I've, on site in I couldn't tell you how many years. I only work virtually. And and I've worked virtually my entire career. It's just that, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, we were FedExing um, manuals or reports to people in the field and getting FedEx comments back and um, holding really expensive video conferences as opposed to having chat and teleconferencing and that kind of thing, set up voice over IP and that sort of thing. So I've been working virtually my entire career. So... You know, and I think, Brenda, I think you're the same way, right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been at least partially virtual on every project I've worked on. And my current project, which is pretty interesting, it's my clients are very large company, and even the people who are the full-time employees there will often be virtual. You know, they have the offices next to each other, but they stay home and telecommute. They're all on an instant message type program. They've all got the email. Um, drafts are exchanged with PDFs that are enabled for commenting. It's completely uh, unnecessary for everybody to be in the office. Yeah, so really, really, the, and the, this gets towards the, toward the reason why we, we actually wrote the book, is that we were all have well, I was having some clients who were new to working virtually, and that was kind of a mystery to me because I'd always done the virtual team thing, so I thought it was kind of a no-brainer. And then when I started talking to people who hadn't done it very much, realized, well, maybe maybe this isn't such a no-brainer. And then uh, talking to Brenda and Shar, we realized that there was a whole, you know, it's like anything else. When you do it so much and so frequently, it it, it becomes ingrained in who you are and, and how you work. But we recognized, we started realizing that there were a lot of people out there that were just getting started with the virtual team mm-hmm. idea and and really ha- struggling with it, and um, so that's what that's why we wrote the book. Um, for, Is there any I, particular thing that they were struggling with? Like, uh, for example, from a manager's perspective, when you feel a little fearful of not being able to see your employees well, and just wondering if they're yeah, oh sorry. There was there there was a lot of that. There was also a lot of how do I keep all the cats herded in the same direction and make sure that the team's interacting and how do I build team synergy? Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm hearing about all these new tools available. How do I use them? Um are they really worthwhile? Is it worth the investment of time and energy to learn how to use them? Um you know, a lot of questions like that. Um how do you and mentor what- somebody? I think what Kit just sort of alluded to is the key differentiator about our book from some of the others. There's lots of books on virtual teams, and there's lots of books on, like, blogs. But what our book attempts to do is, and I think successfully, is to help people combine both the team and management needs with the appropriate technology and tool and to ask the right questions before they choose a tool, um, I would get clients coming to me and say, oh, I need a blog, can you help me? To which my answer is always, are you sure? Because they may or may not need a blog. It might not be the right tool, but it's the hot word of the day. So it's an education process, how those tools fit in with the virtual team management side of things. What about interacting with subject matter experts? A lot of times you when you're collaborating in person, you can sit down. You can sit down and uh, go and see a screen. Somebody can walk you through it. How does that work virtually? Can do uh, that actually, too. Yeah, it's virtual water cooler, instant messaging. Um, uh, you know, I've actually had subject matter experts who uh, preferred interacting via email or via the web because either English was their second language and so it gave them more time to uh, think through their responses and it was easier for them to read in English than it was to uh, comprehend English over the phone. Um, Or I've also had um, subject matter experts who are just sort of antisocial and just didn't want to have to talk to anybody face to face. 
how do you how do you build camaraderie among a team? How do you get a sense of even being a team when people are maybe never even meet each other physically? Well, Not everybody wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was waiting for Brenda because she hadn't spoken up in a few minutes. But um, well, one of the things there are several ways that you do that. First of all, it's um, a lot of it is holding the kickoff meeting, the kickoff meetings, and uh, regular interaction via conference call or um, assigning specific things that require feedback from the team on a weekly or or semi-weekly basis or become more important than if you're standing you know if you're sitting next to each other in an office uh, providing opportunities for social interaction um, by using instant message instant messaging is great because if the little window is up there you can see exactly where you know is who's in who's out um, who's at lunch um, and you can ping them. It's like popping over the cube wall to ask a quick question. You can ping them, and they can tell you if they're too busy or whatever, and they can get back to you right away. So you get that instant gratification. Um, some of the <coughs> other ways are to uh, develop a Facebook so that you have pictures and a little profile of everybody on the team. Um, and know, that's often a website, not a physical book. I mean, Right, right, yeah, on on the web, right. And and some of the other ways are to have periodic, you know, if you can, periodic uh, in-person meetings at least, you know, once, especially if it's a long-running project, it's really, that does, you know, nothing really beats the face-to-face, but, you know, budgets being what they are, it's sometimes difficult. I actually just met a team member of mine. I'd worked with him for three or four years. He was one of my mentors, actually. Um, I, I worked. Let's see, I've known him for six, seven years. I just met him last year at a conference in person. That was the first time I'd ever seen him in person. And I think a lot has to do with the corporate culture and the scope of the team you're trying to build. There was a really interesting article not too long ago about one of these large global companies that had everybody contribute um, recipes, and they did a team cookbook. And it sounds a little bit off-topic, but it got them all talking about their respective cultures. Um, and I thought it was just a really interesting way. Obviously, if the team is uh, Boise to Boston, that might not be as interesting. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of cultural differences between the West Coast and East Coast. I meant, I meant in terms of a cookbook. but Well, now... Is it more? Do you think it's more productive to be located virtually? I sometimes think if you could cut away from a lot of the unnecessary distractions that occur in any workplace, unnecessary meetings, and and maybe work uh, remotely, it, you might get more done. Is that true, or, or is that a misconception? I would say it's absolutely true. I definitely get more done being able to just stay here and work. But I know that not everybody believes that, so... Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it depends on the person. There are certainly people who get really distracted working from a home office because your dishes are there, your laundry is there, um, you know, the mailman comes. People don't understand that if you're home, you can still be working. You know, all that kind of stuff can impact. For me, it's much more productive because I don't have the commute time. I live kind of outside the city. And if I'm an hour and a half in my car every day, that's sort of lost time for me. 
Right. And and for me, it's a mix because, you know, it, one of the disadvantages of working by yourself is that you don't get that interaction. And if you're an extrovert like I am, it that can that can actually reduce your productivity at times. But the reality is if I'm actually focusing on work, I get more done in half the time that I would in an office because I'd be busy, you know, talking to people. <laughs> Definitely. So so how do you really manage the social element? There there's sometimes there's an appeal to escaping your the confines of your home and going to work and interacting with adults. So how does that get replaced in in your working from home? Well for me, this is Brenda, I I I'm fairly active in both STC and uh, the IEEE PCS. So here in Tucson, I've made an effort to build a network, if you will, of other people. So I'll go out to lunch or I'll go to these meetings and there's planning meetings and sometimes that takes up too much time, but it gives me that social outlet that I don't get with the client work. Definitely. I know are all of you all of you are actively involved in the FTC, I know, right? Yes, and I'm a, I'm also involved I'm the newsletter editor for IEEE PCS as well, so this is Kit. Um so yeah, and and I do the same thing that Brenda does. I I have social groups in Boise, um, either friends who also tel- telecommute or um, just other community organizations. Sometimes I take my laptop to the local coffee shop and, and work there, and I actually at times find that I'm more productive there than I am in my home office because there's the the social aspect there, but yet I'm able to focus on what I'm doing. Here's another question. Is it less expensive to have a virtual team? Hmm. Or to, yeah. It depends. <laughs> Standard answer to every question other than 42. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It depends. Um, It can be. um, If if the team is working well together and if you've done the things as a manager that you need to do to set up um, the guidelines for interaction, the the team has all the tools it needs to be successful at at their jobs, um, they're self-motivated and self-directed and um, you know, are able to interact with each other without a lot of babysitting. Um, there aren't a lot of, you know, political things. You can reduce the you, – you don't have the overhead of having office space for them. You don't have the overhead of as much travel, perhaps, as you would um, otherwise. But, the you know, if there's a problem, the problem can get bigger faster and cost more money to fix. Um, because of, again, because simply because of the separation. Did you guys? Anybody else have any thoughts on that, or did she cover covered what you want to say? On the costs of telecommuting versus having people on site, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it also depends on the work that you're doing. Um, if you're a hardware manufacturer and you have specific pieces of testing equipment that somebody has to use, it would be unrealistic to buy, you know, a million-dollar testing equipment for each remote site. So you would, you know, for that, for technical writers, project managers, software people, where our products tend toward the virtual anyway, you know, we're using the computers anyway, then it makes a lot of financial sense to... um, 
spread out the resources and reduce the travel time, I mean, just from a commuting standpoint. Um, so it depends. Do you think that in the future, let's say 15, 20 years in the future, do you think that a good majority of businesses will have virtual teams as almost the norm rather than the exception? No, if we don't have it by now, it's never going to become commonplace, but it's going to be, there's going to be more of it. There'll I mean, I've always been, be a mix. Right. And I don't think it, but I don't think, um, unless something major happens, I don't see the world deciding to go virtual. I've been working virtually for uh, 18 years. Wow. Yeah. And the first year when I decided that I was tired of driving for two hours to get to contracts and stuff like that, I was actually told by an agency that I'd never work <laughs> because people wanted me. Yeah, well, it also, you know, there's other reasons. <laughs> there's other things that people think about these things. But anyway, um, the fact is that there are a number of people who believe that if you can't see them, they're not really working. And yet there have been times when I've been in an office and couldn't get anything done because of the noise or people coming by or other things going on. Here, I can get um, a good three or four hours work done of work done at night after my son's gone to bed, sometimes after my husband's gone to bed, when nobody's thinking to call me because you don't make business calls at 10 or 11 o'clock at night or at midnight. And yet I can get probably five or six hours of work done in that three or four hours just because I can just go straight. Definitely. Flexibility is also really important, too. I'm virtual, but some of my subject matter experts still want to get a pencil out and mark up my hard copy. So we work with them as best we can. I got had, <laughs> had one of them fax the hard copy to me the other day because he couldn't do the PDF commenting thing. But you know what? That worked. I still didn't have to drive over and pick anything up, and yet I've got his head copy comments now. Right. Just flexibility and making use of whatever tools you can to get the job done. Exactly. And and it'll it'll be whatever is is comfortable for the team that's doing the work. Um, you know, there have been some teams that have tried virtual working virtually and have gone back to the in person because it's not comfortable in their, as Brenda mentioned earlier, the company culture or the, um, you know, with what they're doing, what their specific job is doing. Um, for other people, once they go virtual, they never want to go back because it's just so much more efficient, um, you know. And if you if you are proactive at communication, uh, working virtual can be a very effective way of, of working. Where can readers buy your book, this Managing Virtual Teams book, where you guys give in detail all the, the, the information that, that you're hinting at here? Well, is it publish, our, our publisher is wordware.com, W-O-R-D-W-A-R-E.com, and forward slash wiki, W-I-K-I. And that will go directly to a link where they, you can purchase the book, um, which is a 35% discount off the cover price and free shipping within the U.S., or they can also buy it off of Amazon, um, and I think some. Uh, and if they're going to the SDC conference, Breakpoint Books will have it available there. And we have a an, an, um, book author signing Wednesday at noon. Wednesday at noon at the conference. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will have to bring my copy in to get it signed. 
<laughs> we will sign it for you, Tom. <laughs> and I'm going to write that in my calendar. <laughs> well, thanks for ta- <clears throat> thanks for talking to me. <clears throat> Voice just died there. Thanks for talking to me. Um, did it, did I? Uh, is there anything that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't get to? Uh, no, I think we covered pretty much a good portion of the book. Good. <laughs> oh, I hope we didn't give away too much. But uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, it's fascinating to learn about the, the whole virtual world. I, I recently explored Second Life. Have you ever heard of that site? Oh, sure. I'd like to get my husband off of it. <laughs> but uh, it, it gave me a lot of thought about how how virtual spaces like that can be used for different social and and work purposes. But actually, um, the um, one of the Diddy users group has um, I think it's a monthly meeting in Second Life, and oh. I know that Boston's Museum of Science had a um, they have an event in May. Actually, they had had it in April. I wasn't able to go because I was out of town. But it was some kind of a meeting for um, Second Life citizens at the Boston Museum of Science. Wow! And but stuff like that's been around for for years. Um, not quite the same as Second Life, but there have been virtual communities before where people could get um, some kind of an avatar and could do things in this virtual world. Definitely, that's taken it to a new level. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a new level when you've got an avatar that that represents you that's moving around. And anyway, but uh, again, thanks for the for talking to me, and, and uh, I'm sure readers will will appreciate all these insights, and hopefully they'll they'll um, get into your book as well. Great, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom, for your time. You've been listening to Tech Writer Voices a podcast for technical writers. If you want to find out more about the book, go to wordware.com slash wiki or see the show notes on this post. The title again is Managing Virtual Teams, Getting the Most from Wikis, Blogs, and Other Collaborative Tools. And we were talking with Catherine Brown, Brenda Hutner, and Char James Tanney. If you have an idea for a show, if you have person you know who's would be cool to talk to or if you want to get into podcasting and start recording your own shows or interviewing your own people definitely send me an email and I'll get you started I think the more people who join podcasting the the more podcasts we can we can produce on technical writing so definitely join in the fun and be sure to tell your friends about this podcast